Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, here once again to head back down that May 1996 at the moment timeline for Raw and Nitro. Specifically, we're looking at June 24 editions of both shows. Quick recap on the ratings, uh, Raw drew a 2.7 on this night, and Nitro drew a 3.3, and I actually feel a little bad that I didn't mention this on the last Raw and Nitro episode, but this is now officially week two of 82 weeks. Um, I'm sure you've heard that a million times before, but I feel like I probably should have mentioned it last time around. The NWO is definitely in full swing, and it's leaving the WWF in the distance right now. But that's not what we do. Uh, History can tell you who won the ratings, and you can Google that pretty easily. We go back and look at each show and see which one was the most enjoyable. So that's what we're going to do. And this time around, we watch Nitro first. So let's head over there. Nitro starts with Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco on commentary talking about the upcoming Bash at the Beach pay-per-view. You may have heard of this one before. There's a certain five or six band tag, depending on how you look at it, that was somewhat historically relevant in the years to come. We get a recap of the Outsiders angle so far, and then we go backstage with Gene for a promo with Sting, Lex, and the Macho Man. Lex nearly says WWF during his promo, which is quite funny. Um, and then we get Steiners and Harlem Heat coming in. Macho Man leaves because he's got no beef with beef with either of those teams. And we get a bit of a shouty three-team promo. I'll splice some of this in here because it's pretty entertaining. At the bash at the big pay-per-view. And those gentlemen now standing by with me and Gene Oakley. All right, again, Tony Schiavone, I thank you. I must say that very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men because we are inside two weeks. Lex Luger Sting and the Macho Man Randy Savage to meet these two outsiders. And we're going to find out the evening of the Bash at the Beach, who their third man will be. Just like Charlotte, North Carolina's Flair's country, WCW is our country, yeah. yeah. United by the face pain of the stinger, yeah. We are focused in different directions, that's true. Mongo McNichol, yeah. You and Ric Flair, we got the deal, we know the deal. Divide and conquer is what we're going to do, right? You Thank you very yes, much, yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage. All right, uh, Lex Luger, Sting, gentlemen, let's go back. Let's go back recently on this very television program. Sting, from the outset, when these, when these men came in here, you took exception to them. You knew what they were here for. They were here to disrupt. And I want to take a look because Nobody it got to the point where you couldn't take do. anymore. There's no question, Mean Gene. I don't mind Nobody somebody that wants to walk into WCW or anywhere in the entire world and make a statement. But the bottom line is, a grown man does not come and make a statement, not to mention a physical statement, to a commentator. Why not try to pick on a wrestler? You want three guys, that's all I hear every single week. 
Yet you only produce two. What is the deal? The macho man is frothing at the mouth and so's the package and so am I. Lex Luger. We're unified as a team. WWCW stands tall. They stand strong. They say it's where the big boys play. These guys are going to find out what a war is all about. Because we're all in paint. We're unified as a unit. Because we are the very best. Isn't that right, Stinger? Yes, the very best. This is definitely where the big boys play. And you guess what? Hey, 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 wait a minute now, Scott We've been a long time. And if you need us to watch your back, we'll be there. But that's later on down the line. Tonight, the belt's on the line, and you better worry about us. All right, Rick Steiner, your thoughts? Hey, I can care less about the belt. What do you oh, got? Wait a minute, hold up, Gino. We gotta go like this here. Me and my brother, we gotta score to settle with this punk right here from Las Vegas, Nevada, when I got cold cut with a roll of silver dollars. And you, Steen, yeah, you saw the whole thing. And as far as I'm concerned, you like two peas in a pot. And this sucker right here, and this sucker. Um, and that's going to lead us to our, towards our main event later on for the tag titles. First match, however, is Steve Regal and Dave Taylor, who come out with Bobby Eaton and Jeeves to take on the public enemy, who come out to an absolutely awful overdub of their music on the network. I think I ragged on this last time around, but it's terrible. It's so bad this time around that they actually have an inset promo, and we miss the first half of it because the overdub goes over their audio as well. It's just really, really poor editing. It's aimed at the nasty boys, we figure out, when they do come back into sound. This match is nothing great. It starts with some chain wrestling, a dropkick from Regal, lots of dancing by both teams, uh, mocking each other, a lot of stalling and sort of looking for crowd heat. We get a power slam by Taylor and then a double clothesline. Shivani tells us the outsiders are here tonight, and that's pretty much all anyone's interested in at this point. The referee gets distracted, and we get use of the cast from Johnny Grunge, and that allows Public Enemy to pick up the win with the 1-2-3. From there, we go to our next contest, which is Kevin Sullivan taking on someone that didn't even get an introduction, so I had to go back and pause and highlight the um, the chapter to see who it was. It's someone called Kip Appy, sorry, Kip Abby, um, and this one's essentially a brawl to the back, and Kevin Sullivan walks back down having brawled and won, so we get told, or so we, we figure out for ourselves, we don't get told, actually. And he gets in the ring to cut a promo with Gene uh, on the Four Horsemen. Him and Jimmy Hart do that. Nothing to write home about as we go to our first commercial break. It's now time for Dean Malenko to defend his Cruiserweight title against hard work Bobby Walker. I'm a terrible gimmick if I've ever heard one. Bobby Walker with a Japanese arm drag, a camel clutch, a powerbomb, and the Texas Cloverleaf. But Disco Inferno comes out before Malenko can get the finish. Um, This allows Bobby Walker to come back. It's a backdrop and a drop kick for a two count. Disco Inferno gets in the ring and dances on the ropes with his music playing while this match is going on. Uh, Malenko drop kicks Barry Walker, uh, yeah, Barry Walker into him and then hits a Northern Lights suplex for the one, two, three. Um, Gene gets in and interviews Dean Malenko. He and Disco argue a little bit um, and it looks as though it's going to lead to Disco and Malenko at the Bash of the Beach. Very angry cruiserweight champion. With that in mind, we go to Mean Gene. All right, a little uh, tough to sort it all out. Dean Malenko, come on in, cruiserweight champ. Coming up, your title defense at the Bash at the Beach on July the 7th. 
And uh, apparently a very rude interruption on the part of this band, the Disco Inferno. You know, one thing, Gene, I'm not going to stand for it. I take this cruiserweight belt. Don't you ever or even think so. Oh, hey, Mr. Personality, this whole show is about television ratings. Now, everybody knows the Disco Inferno's on a Shake Your Booty Tour. My new Shake Your Booty Tour CD just went gold, and everybody wants to see me dance. Now, hey, let's face it. You and Bobby Walker just were not having a good night, and let's face facts, you were stinking up the joint. Hey, that I'm going to take exception to that, Dean Malenko. Hey, come here. Give me this. Give me this. Hey. What, what's your story, pal? Hey. I just figured that it was a perfect time for me to come down and do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Now, if you're upset with that, excuse me. Hey, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, Malenko, whoa. you may be the man of a thousand holds, but I just sold a million CDs. <laughs> I think this guy's got a, a little trouble. Uh, he's introverted, I'd have to say. Disco Inferno. You're right, I am the man of a thousand holds. But at the Bash of the Beach, it's just going to take one to take you out. Thank you very much, Cruiserweight Champ Dean Malenko, and stay tuned when we come back. More action here on Monday Nitro. We go to another commercial, and when we come back, it's an ad for Saturday Night, which is going to feature Sting Lex and the Macho in a six-man tag, so they can get their um, chemistry up before the big pay-per-view. We're also going to see Rey Mysterio and the Shark taking on Bobby Eaton, so that's a bit of a mixed bag of a show, that one. We then go to our next contest, which is a Barbarian taking on Eddie Guerrero, and if there's ever been a clash of styles, it's this one. Um, we have a very cat-and-mouse start, as you would imagine. Guerrero hits a drop kick, uh, a couple of drop kicks. Barbarian catches him on a crossbody and slams him. Um, we then get Barbarian hitting a powerbomb on Eddie. It appears as though he's wearing a roller skating kind of elbow pad as well, which is quite weird. Definitely not usual wrestling attire. But after the powerbomb, he goes for a bit of a cocky pin, just sort of putting a hand on the chest. This allows Eddie to kick out at two. Pump handle slam and another two count with a lazy pin. And we start to get some Eddie chants from the crowd. So this is actually working quite well to get Eddie over as the sympathetic underdog. He then counters a cro- uh, into a cross body. And we get the one, two, three for Eddie in a really good scrappy underdog win. Gene comes in and um, Eddie basically tells Gene he wants another US title shot due to the previous pay-per-view and the controversy with copping Conan's head to his bollocks um, but music plays them off during the end of the promo which is never a good sign it's like being moved off the stage during the Academy Awards and we go to commercial when we come back it's time for our number two so Bobby Heenan replaces Larry Zabisco on commentary and it's time for Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit of the Four Horsemen to take on the Rock and Roll Express Benoit hits a shoulder block to start uh, before Morton hits a crossbody and an arm drag. Gibson hits a nice knee lift, and then we get a pop for a tag to Arn Anderson. The Horsemen are still the faces here at this point. They double-team Ricky Morton. Uh, Gibson comes back in and makes a slam. And then we get Macho Man on the floor. Oh, sorry, Macho Man. We get Mongo McMichael from the floor with the briefcase, and this allows the Horsemen to pick up the one, two, three. Joe Gomez comes out and they beat him down before Macho Man and Kevin Green come out. And of course, the Horsemen bail at this point. They want no part of an angry Macho Man and an angrier Kevin Green. But we get Gene coming in and Ric Flair and the girls and the four Horsemen all come back in. It's a bit of an incoherent promo. It's not the best work of the Horsemen on the mic, which is usually stellar. 
From there, we go to our next contest, which is DDP taking on Alex Wright. Uh, we get some chain wrestling, which DDP gets the best of, followed by a gut buster before Alex Wright comes back with an inverted atomic drop and some European uppercuts, a nice leg lariat and a top rope axe handle, followed by a missile drop kick and a plancher. But all of this offense is not good enough for the win as DDP from out of nowhere hits his diamond cutter for the 1-2-3. Gene comes out to interview him, and it's basically going to be DDP versus Jim Duggan at the Bash in the Beach for his Lord of the Ring ring. Um, and we're told it's going to be a tape fist match, which uh, DDP is not too happy about. From there, we go to a commercial, and as always, my favorite part of the commercials for the show, a Glacier ad. It's about week 114 before he's actually debuted, but still, I still love that Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat style advert. Our world is about to change. Blood runs cold. In each of us burns the fury of a warrior. Glacier. Gene then interviews Kevin Green on the ramp, who says that after the football season's ended, he'll be coming back for Mongo and Revenge. So mark that in your calendar and we'll wait and see. And we go to our next matchup, which is VK Wall Street, aka IRS, taking on the Macho Man who has Kevin Green by his side. VK Wall Street at the moment looks like the love child of IRS and Ted DiBiase. He's basically Money Inc. morphed into one person because it's IRS with his old sort of Varsity Club style singlet on, but it's got the Million Dollar Man style dollar symbol on it. Um, Just a really, really awful hybrid. Macho pummels him and we get chance of We Want Flair. So Flair's even outranking the Macho Man with the crowd on this night. They brawl along the outside. Uh, Mongo, uh, sorry, Macho. <laughs> I've called Mongo Macho, Macho Mongo. Macho hits a suplex for a two and a clothesline before VK bails. Kevin Green sends him into the ring post after VK had been winding him up a little bit. And this allows Macho to go back up and hit the top rope elbow for the one, two, three as we go out to commercial. When we come back, it's time for our main event, which is Lex and Sting taking on Harlem Heat and the Steiners in a triangle tag match. In this one here, it's going to be one fall to the finish, not elimination. We go to a commercial before the actual match can start. When we come back, we get an arm drag from Scott Steiner and a hip toss. Booker T hits a nice head kick for a two uh, before locking on a chin lock for a bit. Scott Steiner hits a nice underhook suplex for a two. Stevie Ray comes in and beats on Rick Steiner, but he fights back with a German suplex and a clothesline for a two. We get a nice spin kick uh, from Sting. So he avoids a nice spin kick from Booker T and then crotches Booker T on the ropes, hits an inverted atomic drop, a slam. And then Stevie Ray comes in and hits a slam of his own for a two as we go to another commercial. Sting and Stevie Ray have a head clash and Sting falls onto the balls of Stevie Ray, bouncing back off the ropes. Lex cleans house to some good response from the crowd, but then all hell breaks loose as the outsiders come through the crowd carrying baseball bats. Um, Before they can get to the guardrail and get into the ringside area, there are a whole host of cops in the ring and they've all got their hands on their guns as though they're going to pull any minute. And this is really, really cool. The outsiders do jump over the ring, uh, over the rail, sorry, and bang their bats on the stairs a little bit. And I didn't even notice this happening, but amongst all the chaos, Stevie Ray rolls up Lex Luger and the referee counts to one, two, three. So we've got new champs and you didn't even notice the fall. Um, Absolutely 
awesome ending to the show. We have to have a replay to see what actually happened because I imagine I wasn't the only one that missed it. But it's the outsiders sort of back down a little bit up the ramp and we get a bit of a standoff as we go out and Harlem Heat have stolen one amongst all the chaos. So everyone's looking to defend WCW and they're just looking to get the belts. Absolutely stellar ending to an otherwise pretty average show to be honest um the crowd loving flair is nothing unusual in the carolinas but um not having any real desire to see macho do well and there not being any other really over baby faces on the show kind of made it a bit of a drag but this ending was just incredible um the nwo stuff at the moment is so good that it it beats raw on its own almost most weeks so raw's gonna have to put on a hell of a show to beat this angle um if they can be more consistent across the whole thing maybe they'll be more enjoyable but there's only one way to find out before we do that however let's take a little trip down memory lane I want to talk about something a little bit different today is the Jack's Pacific foam belts. Um, when I was, I was probably a teenager by the time these things were coming out over here and a bit too old to be buying this crap, but I did anyway because that's what you do. Um, a lot of us do it on Twitter now, so if you're listening to this show, more than likely you've got a piece of cheesy wrestling merchandise somewhere in your house. Um, but I just thought at the time they were phenomenal. I think I had a European title, an intercontinental. I don't think I ever fi- found a world title, but I just thought these were actually really great quality for what was a pretty cheap price. I think Australian dollars are about 20, 30 bucks, which is next to nothing. And yeah, I bought a few of these and really enjoyed it for someone that had no chance in, you know, 2000-ish of buying a replica belt, couldn't afford it, couldn't get one if I wanted one um, pre online purchasing for me and I don't even know if they were making replica belts in 2000 but maybe I was wrong on that one um I just found these really cool so a little piece of memorabilia I enjoyed buying it's not super expensive and something I always enjoyed owning so if you had one of the Jack specific Attitude Era titles let me know on Twitter So, Monday Night Raw starts, as always, with Vince and Jerry Lawler on commentary. And we've got Triple H in the ring, jobber entrance, to get an intercontinental title shot at the new champion, Ahmed Johnson. We we show some highlights of the locker room intercontinental title celebration at King of the Ring with the faces and Shawn Michaels all celebrating with Ahmed. Ahmed shows his strength early in this match, and Vince on commentary tells us that we'll be seeing Undertaker and Stone Cold tonight in the main event, so... Pretty cool. We get a headlock from Ahmed in the clothesline. He goes for a crossbody but misses to the floor in a pretty steep drop. 
Triple H with a baseball slide and then throws Ahmed into the ring steps. The referee Harvey Wimpleman tells him off, which is quite cool. And we get an inset promo from Goldust. Um, we find out during this that he's going to be facing The Undertaker at the next pay-per-view. Um, couldn't really hear Goldust. The the audio wasn't the best here, and uh, since this is not an edit from the WWE Network, this is a WWE production. I'm going to blame their production on this one. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, we see some chops from the future game, a slap, and then Ahmed comes back and hits an inverted atomic drop, a press slam, four backdrops, and then a Pearl River, Pearl River plunge for a three. So, decent little showcase for Ahmed. Triple H is certainly a guy at this period that could make someone look good. The new world champion, let's go right back up to Dakota. Alright, Ahmed, another incredible victory, but if we're going to talk about the greatest victory in your career, it happened last night at the King of the Ring. I know you've got to be proud of the reception you've got here tonight all over the world, but you've got to be super proud. You are the first ever African-American intercontinental champion. I still say it's the Buster Douglas of the WWF. He right. won't last long. First of all, Mike, Doc, I just want to say I am very proud to be the first African-American champion of the world. That means I make history, but you're going to be history. Out. I want everybody here to understand I am not defending this belt just for African-Americans. I am defending the belt for everybody in here, black, white, red, or green. Look at all those green people. This belt, Show some respect. This belt, for a long time, has been around the wrong waist. Everybody that had this belt had to defend it for themselves. But I am going to defend this belt for the people from now on. All right, Ahmed talking about defending the title. Obviously, the former champion, Goldust, will want a return match. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If Sweet Lips wants some more, he know where to find me. I ain't too far to find, brother. Sweet Lips? He didn't find me here. I tell him to take a ride down to the hood. I'll be out there hanging with the homeboys. All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, your intercontinental champion, Ahmed Johnson. Doc then comes in, Doc Hendricks, and interviews AJ. Uh, we get an issue with the mic, either that or Ahmed's just really quiet. Um, declares himself the first black intercontinental champion. And we see a sign in the crowd that says Vince and Jerry for 96. I just, this cracked me up. Can you imagine the dirt any political, <laughs> any political um, party could dig up on Vince and Jerry Lawler at the same time? My God, that would be tremendous viewing. <laughs> We get a commercial for a King of the Ring replay, um, and then we get our foot action slam of the week, and it is a top rope powerbomb from Marty Jannetty on skip. Very cool. We then get Sonny joining the commentary team for our next match, which is the Body Donners taking on the Brooklyn Brawler and Jerry Fox, which should be a star-studded team to take down the Body Donners. <laughs> we see some audition tapes for the Body Donners' new manager, and um, Jerry Lawler on one of them says, is that the Zodiac Killer, which cracked me up. And then he um, rags a bit more on a few of the others in typical Lawler fashion. When the match gets started, we get a hip toss from Zip and then a head scissors from Skip. A neck breaker. Uh, Sonny says she might be bringing in a singles wrestler soon. 
Uh, and Vince McMahon says, isn't tag teams enough? And Sonny, of course, with the great classy line of, you think two men can keep me occupied? No shame at this point in time. <laughs> We get zero crowd heat for this match. Um, Zip hits a gut rope, a gut wrench power bomb, and then a top rope Hurricane Rana, and then the top rope whoopee cushion for the one, two, three. And next week, we're told we'll be seeing Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels, um, which is a few years past being the attraction it was, but I'm still looking forward to it. From there, we go out to our next commercial break. When we come back, it's time for a big six-man this time around, and it's Savio Vega, Aldo Montoya, and Barry Horowitz in another star-studded outfit, taking on Camp Cornette, consisting of the Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Vader. This time, it's Jim Cornette's turn to be on the commentary team. We get a hip toss from Barry Horowitz and a high knee, followed by a monkey flip. Savio Vega gets an arm drag, and then Vader comes in, and the mood of the match changes instantly, which I love. He beats the shit out of Savio. Savio does come back with a spin kick, and then Aldo with a drop kick, but Owen comes back in, and he hits the spin kick of his own, and the Bulldog locks on a delayed vertical suplex. We get a choke slam from Vader, followed by an avalanche. A Bulldog power slam, but picks him up. We get an Owen Hart sharpshooter for the tap-out victory, and the heels win. Cornette comes in and high-fives, um, and then sells <laughs> the high fi- Owen Hart sells the high-five with his cast, which is quite funny. We go out to our next commercial with an amazing ad for the Ultimate Warrior University, which I'll splice a bit in for here. Um, pretty funny to see this airing on Raw. We then go go to our main event, which uh, in the opposite of what I said about Sean and Marnie being a few years too late, this one's probably a couple of years too soon to really do the numbers it would do, but Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin is certainly an attraction that would be very popular in years to come. Brian Pillman's come out to join the commentary team for this one, and he tells Vince that he um, wants to be paid. He's only been here a week and he's looking for a pay rise, which is quite funny. We get a slugfest, and then The Undertaker hits a big boot. Lawler tries to interrupt uh, tries to interrupt Paul Bearer, uh, but we get an outside brawl. Undertaker hits a slam and misses a clothesline as we go to a commercial break. We go old school when we come back, and then Austin comes back with a chop lock and works on the leg. Goldust comes out and joins the commentary team. Undertaker hits a choke slam, but Goldust gets up on the apron. Undertaker lifts him up for the tombstone, but Goldust throws some gold dust in the eyes of the Undertaker, earning a disqualification. Lawler teases a split between the Undertaker and Paul Bearer, then goes in the ring to ask Paul Bearer about the mishap at King of the Ring, hitting the Undertaker with the urn, saying he did it on purpose. Undertaker tries to stalk Paul Bearer, uh, tries to stalk Jerry Lawler, sorry, but Paul Bearer stops him and we go out of the show for Raw, wondering whether or not there's a bit of dissension between The Undertaker and Paul Bearer, so something a little bit interesting there. That'll do it for the two shows, so now, as always, we need to go and pick ourselves a winner. And the winner's my man. For production value this week, I actually went with Nitro. The um, issues that I noticed with production on Nitro were mostly due to the guys editing from the WWE Network, I would say. But the issues we saw on Raw were all their own in their 96 glory, so Nitro gets the victory this time around. For crowd heat, I'd probably go with Nitro, even though they were cheering the heels and not so much the faces, because nothing on Raw stood out as being hugely over. Uh, They were completely dead during the tag match as well. As for storylines, um, I would probably, it's a bit closer than you would think, but I would still go with Nitro because the NWO storyline just trumps everything. Um, we got a little bit of storyline advancement on Raw, but nothing compares to the awesome story that finished off uh, Nitro. Nitro. 
As for characters, I would say that one's a tie. Um, there was no Hogan on Nitro, and there was no Brett and a couple of other guys on Raw, so I would say it's pretty much a tie there. And as for match quality, I would probably call this one a tie as well. No show, neither show, sorry, really delivered anything amazing as far as wrestling goes. Um, there were some average matches on Raw, but they had Undertaker and Austin. There were some pretty awful matches on Nitro, but they did have Dean Malenko and the Four Horsemen. So, overall, pretty good um, week to be watching these two shows. Nitro picks up the win here with three radi- uh, sort of three categories and two tied, so Raw doesn't win a single category this week. Definitely justifying the big change in the ratings and why Nitro was starting to pull ahead at this time. Overall, as I said, a couple of good shows to watch though, so if you are going to go back and watch the Monday Night Wars, this is a period that I've been enjoying so far. Thank you all for listening and sticking around. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we had a show out, so um, over the next few weeks I will try and get a little bit more out to you guys um, and obviously try and hook up with Duncan. We're going to wrap up our TNA versus WWE um, second Monday Night uh Monday Night War run that we've been doing and I will catch back up with Richie for a wrap up of the 80s as well and as soon as I get to Bash at the Beach and International Incident I think it is Carl will be back on board too if there's anything else you think you'd like to hear us review please do let me know or if you're interested in contributing to the show in any way I've not said this for a while but get in touch with me always happy to have even if it's just a little insert or an email a question feel free to fire away catch me on Twitter um, probably the easiest way to get in touch and if you haven't done so yet and you've been listening for a while leave us a review on itunes and let me know when you've done it because if you're out of if you're not in the country i'm in i don't get any sort of notification for that either thank you all once again and i'll chat to you all very very soon Stepping on a nigga feet.
week, man. Hey, best sneakers came from the D game. Cousin was a crip, said it was a C thing. Brown bag money in a duffel bag. Fuck them all with them, then we got a double bag. The homie whipping chickens in his mama kitchen. On a mission, say he did it for his intuition. Real niggas' dreams coming to fruition. Stumble, but I never fall, leaning on my pistol. I only love her when the ass fat. We still listen to this track in my Maybach. I'm just trying to be a billionaire. Come and suck a dick for a millionaire. Uh, it's just different. I know it feels different. Uh, I only love it for eyes brown. Play this shit while you play around with my crown. King HO, y'all should know by now. But if you don't know, uh, means on the wall in all my rooms. Niggas couldn't fuck with my daughter's room. Niggas couldn't walk in my daughter's socks. Banksy bitches, Basquiat. I ran through that buck 50 live nation running me. They working on another deal, they talking 250. I'm holding out for three, 275, and I just might agree. XD boy used to park my Beamer. Now look at me, I can park in my own arena. I only love it for we've new. I'm still a hood nigga, what you want me to do? Been hopping out the BM with your BM. Taking the places you can't go with your BDM. Screaming copy DM until I'm a dead poet. Robin Williams shit, I deserve a Golden Globe, bitch. Take an ace in the meanwhile You ain't gotta keep this calendar, it's just a freestyle Fuck rap money, I made more of crates Fuck show money, I spent that on drapes Close the curtains, fuck boy out my face I whipped the coat, let the lawyer beat the case Murder was the case that they gave me I killed the Hermes store, somebody saved me Stuck to the max like wavy Oh shit Oh Stuntin' to the max, I'm so wavy Used to shop for TJ Maxx back in 83 I don't even know if it was open then I ain't no Oprah then Had the XL80 bike Loud motor, they be like, damn, when I'm coming through Ring Had a grill in 88 Y'all niggas is late You got all that, right?